Welcome to today's Jersey Joe's on Sports podcast. Let's get started. Put my mic on! Yo, yo, let's go. It's time again for another edition of Jersey Joe's on Sports Podcast. I'm Greg B, and uh, I'm here with my partner in crime, Johnny A. Johnny, how are you doing today? Doing well, Greg. How about yourself? Uh, John, I'm miserable. i got to be honest with you. Uh, that game on Sunday uh, just sent me into a spiral, and I think the whole world knows how it feels because, uh, I mean, the city of Philadelphia had awnings come crashing down, <laughs> cars getting turned upside down, uh, multiple fires everywhere. The stock got market it. went down the tank. Don't, I mean, don't forget don't forget the Eagles fan uh, that, that leaned down, uh, held his scarf back, and then uh, chopped out a mouthful of uh, force crap. Yes. I mean, it, it doesn't end. I mean, everything's coming to an end. Uh, I mean... <laughs> Uh, Porzingis goes down last night. He's done. The Rangers announced today that they're basically going to basically sell off the team because my hockey season's over. I, I I can't wait for Yankee baseball because I'm miserable. Well, isn't uh, didn't the King get pulled now in three of the last five games? He did. He did. And I honestly, uh, not to get into hockey because I really want to talk about uh, what happened on Sunday, but uh, fair, he, fair he should enough. be... He should be the first guy to get to get shipped out, and hopefully he can get hot somewhere else because uh, his time with the Blue Shirts is over. Yeah, they've had a pretty good run the last few years. Uh, it's time to hit the reset button there. They've got too many spare parts, um, and when you when you're missing Kreider, honestly, you know how good can you really be? No, exactly. And talk about a freak injury. I mean, I, I read a little bit about uh, what they had to do to his rib, and his arm swelled up with the artery. It's pretty pretty wild, actually. Pretty crazy stuff. It's crazy stuff. It, you know, it wasn't directly uh, related, but uh, it kind of reminded me. That freak accident uh, sort of injury that David Cohn had, that uh, we know yeah, the circulation point. problem in his shoulder, that had yep. him shut down for a season. You know, kind of in the heart of that whole Yankees run, uh, late '90s, early 2000s. So, no, good call. I forgot about that. But hey, let's uh, let's jump to uh, Sunday's game. I mean, I, I don't know about you. Um, some things I wasn't surprised about, but other things I was shocked about. And I think the biggest shock to me were two things. One was how bad the Patriots' defense was. And I know Butler didn't play, and that has, a, that has something to do with it. Um, but they were atrocious. And then I think on top of that was, you know, everybody was waiting for uh, Foles to come back to reality, and the guy didn't. He played tremendous. And I think a lot of that... Um, um, you know, the majority of that has to go to two guys, which would be Frank Reich, the quarterback's coach, who uh, was kind of the young son hero in this whole thing, and and Peterson, the coach, who just called an unbelievable game, and I give him uh, so much credit because, you know what, he knew the spot that he was in, and he played like he wanted to win. He had a riverboat gambler mentality, and I loved it. I agree with you 100% on Peterson and his game calls. This guy obviously learned from from prior mistakes other coaches have made. We've seen, we've seen this movie how many times where teams whether it was the Falcons in last year's Super Bowl, whether it was the Jags a couple weeks ago. They can jump out to a quick start. They play aggressive football. And then they turtle up in the second half. And you've allowed that supercomputer that people call Bill Belichick to reassess everything, make his adjustments at halftime. If you don't readjust at halftime against Belichick, he's got you beat in the second half. Now, Peterson yep. Peterson stayed aggressive with the play calls. That fourth, the fourth and goal call towards the end of the first half,
first half is one of the craziest, ballsiest calls I've ever seen in professional sports. He put his nuts on the table. It paid off and it made Patricia look like an idiot. No, absolutely. I mean, that call just before the half was basically, I think, what changed the whole game around. I mean, it was a, it was still a fantastic game back and forth in the second half. But I think that was the point in time where you just kind of had a feeling this was different than uh, some of the other games in the past where the Pats came back and won. Very true. Um, I, I wouldn't take so much away from the Patriots defense because watching that game, um, I watched every play of that game closely, rewound and watched some plays over because I couldn't believe what I had just seen, uh, especially regarding Nick Foles' play. He was passing into these tight spots, sometimes in double coverage, sometimes in triple coverage. He always hit his spot. I mean, the guy was in the zone. I wasn't sure if it was Eli Manning under there. Um, he, he, <laughs> he, he really hit every spot he needed to. Um, and I feel like the Patriots made some adjustments in the second half and Foles, Foles didn't falter. He didn't wither. The guy had an amazing game. Uh, a lot of credit due to him. And like you said, to his coaching staff, to Reich and the Peterson, they've coached this guy up. The game plan was sound. It was aggressive. And they never took their foot off the gas. And No, I agree. I agree. That's, I, it's I, great. Yeah, no. And, and it's, I think the thing that's ironic is, you know, we had talked about it last week on our last podcast about getting to Brady and moving him off his spot and what he, what he, what happens to him when he gets hit and pressured and, uh, you know, all game long, he had protection until that last drive when it mattered. And they were up in his grill and he just, uh, you know, it, it seemed like you saw it coming. And I was surprised to even try to throw that ball, to be honest with you, instead of just tuck it and go down and take the sack, especially in that biggest spot. But uh, what an what an unbelievably enormous play. And then, uh, and then you know, even so, Patriots still get the ball back, but they couldn't protect Brady at the end there. And, and he had trouble, you know getting the ball off it, you know, in that last uh, possession as well. So it was kind of amazing how all game long they held him at bay. And then when when the chips were on the line and they really needed to keep them off of Brady and let him do his thing, they couldn't do it. Yeah, kudos to the Eagles defense down the stretch there. I think we all expected uh, Brady to drive the Pats down to take the lead and ultimately win the game. Maybe not cover, um, which didn't help any of us that had the Patriots laying the points. No. But uh, I think we expected the Patriots to march down. So kudos to the Eagles pass, ru- pass rush there late. Um, and uh, yeah, tremendous win for Philadelphia. I mean, we, we're, we're happy about it briefly because it's the Patriots don't get another ring. And then it sort of settles in. You digest it uh, like a bad meal. It starts to repeat on you. And you realize that the Eagles were world champions. Yeah, what's even scarier is they're probably going to be around for a long time because I think the way that that team's set up right now, they got a lot of long-term contracts uh, for most of their younger guys. Uh, they obviously have a quarterback of their future. While we don't know how healthy he's going to come back and how quick he's going to come back, but Wentz is the real deal. Um, you know, I think they're going to probably sign Foles to a one-year deal, or you know, keep, they're going to keep him around um, just because they need an insurance policy through the transition. And then Nick Foles will probably get a payday if he wants to do it again. Um, but uh, yeah, I, th- I don't think the Eagles are going away quietly and they're going to be around for for quite a while so uh you know as a fan that we are of the giants and the nfc east and any other nfc east teams <laughs> not good for us no not good at all not good at all thank god we have still have uh, daniel schneider is a complete moron uh in charge of the redskins so that that makes us feel better and jerry jones will never give anybody control of his team so at least we got that going for us no jerry and his idiot son steven are still gm and assistant gm so i i think i think the ceiling is fairly low for the cowboys right now um you touched on the redskins lost cause there bringing and Alex Smith to replace a very capable uh, Kirk Cousins, who I think is going to get the next big NFL payday here uh, using Garoppolo's insane uh, contract that we just heard about today um, yeah. as a basis for him to negotiate. And regarding Nick Foles, I think Foles is out of town, Greg. The way that the salary cap is set up, it just 
teams find it very difficult to keep two expensive quarterbacks on the roster anymore. I no, think Fol- I think Foles. Um, I mean, the Eagles should bring him back, but will they? I think they're going to be teams talking to Foles saying, "Hey, we'll give you we'll give you the starting QB job, uh, no competition, no questions asked." And there are plenty of teams out there that need that starting quarterback right now. Yeah, it's pretty wild. You brought up Jimmy G. How about that? Five years, one hundred and thirty-seven point five million dollars, <laughs> richest contract in history. This is a guy who basically won five games this year. Besides that, I think maybe played like five other games. It's just unbelievable. And you know what? The 49ers, ever since ever since the real brain trust left, they haven't had a whole lot of good decisions. I mean, they did well there for a while when Harbaugh was there. Um, but recently, it's been very suspect. So I hope it works out for him. From what I've seen, I think this guy's the real deal and they're going to be really happy. But uh, unbelievable contract and good for Jimmy G. Yeah, I hope that Jimmy G is sending a piece of that back to Bill Belichick because Belichick made him. Belichick drafted him. Belichick mentored him. Um, Belichick went to him uh, through the uh, Brady deflate gate uh, suspension. Um, I think he made the guy and he wanted to keep him, frankly. And I think that that, that, well, we see that that was the source of some of the tension between Kraft, Brady, and Belichick is that Belichick wanted Garoppolo to be around and he wanted him to be the quarterback of the future on that team. And Brady with his, uh, so we say, fragile ego uh, Mm -hmm. was tired of looking over his shoulder at someone breathing down his neck. No, I, I agree. It's pretty pretty wild. You know, a couple other big storylines out of that. You know, we kind of touched a little bit on Malcolm Butler, and I think, uh, you know, to be determined what happened there. But clearly, you know, Belichick is, uh, you know, letting him know who, who, you know, runs the ship by sitting him on the sidelines, regardless of what happens. I know he's not your top cornerback, but he's your number two. And clearly they needed him in the game. And uh, it was pretty wild to see that, even though he did sp- uh, play on special teams. But I think what's bigger than that to me is, uh, you know, the game ends and we knew about the coordinators going Patricia obviously signs with Detroit which I would have been bailing on that that deal as soon as that game is over watching that awful defense out there because they did absolutely nothing but then you know you have Josh McDaniel pull out of the Colts job uh you know are, are you under the impression that this is Belichick's last year and then he's going to take over well, I mean what, what are your thoughts my thoughts are that um Josh McDaniels watched the ESPN 30 for 30 on the two bills and he looks up to Belichick so much that he actually felt like he needed to mimic a part of his life um, by accepting an NFL job and then reneging on it less than 24 hours later. <laughs> yeah, it's, I, you know, I, I got to believe that has something to do with it, because otherwise, why would you do that? But, um, you know, the only other thing that came to mind when I first heard of it, my first thought was Andrew Luck's not healthy. So now he doesn't have a quarterback. That's uh, a very good point. That's a very know? good point. Um, you know, you look at the dynamic between Kraft, Belichick, and Brady. Um, Kraft obviously is going to own the team until he dies. Um, Belichick and Brady, there's friction there at times. Um, those are two big egos in the in the room, in the organization. I don't think that one of those guys is going to want to leave before the other one. So I almost feel like Belichick's going to wait Brady out and almost coach a year or two and see and show that he can still make a horse race out of it without Brady. Um, yeah. That's just my feeling there. It's a gut... Um, you know, might be might be completely off base. Yeah, I mean, honestly, I I disagree. I think I think that Brady's going to win the long term battle there. I think he's going to purposely drive Belichick nuts and get him out of there. I, I and I think <laughs> could be. And I think Belichick sits around and waits for uh, for Shermer to fail, and then he swoops in and comes and takes the giant job because I think that's the only job that he still covets. Um, but you know, who knows? It, it. I mean, if you if you like soap operas and you like real you know reality TV, just watch the Patriots on a regular basis. It's unbelievable. And then you know, someone hits Gronkowski. 
Gromkowski after the game with, uh, you know, coming back next year. And he basically floats it out there that I, I think he's going to retire. And I read an article today saying he wants to go be a movie star. So uh, get ready. Here's the next rock because his head's about, uh, you know, about as smart as a rock. The guy's a, a numbnut. But, uh, you know, obviously he's doing something right. He He's getting uh, he's getting spots from uh, Procter & Gamble anyway for telling kids not to eat Tide Pods. So m- maybe he's onto something. Maybe Gronk is. Um, but you're right. Gronk is, a, Gronk is somewhat of a knucklehead. He he, he may may not have had homeowners insurance when his house got completely robbed while he hit the Super Bowl. So he may have to come back to play one more year so he yeah. can afford afford the Gronk wardrobe to replace the Gronk wardrobe. You it's know what true. I mean? Yeah, I read basically they took his safes and his guns, which is fantastic. Yeah, well, you know, it's it, it's amazing. I mean, Gronk, Gronk probably forgot the code on his security system before he left. Uh, you know, that, I, I don't think that he's uh, I don't think he's going to retire. This guy's got some football left. With that said, he might be one concussion away from being knocked out of the game for good. Um, yeah. But there, there's a lot of drama there. I just, I feel like if Belichick really, really wanted the Giants job, I mean, a guy's 65 now. I mean, right. how many more years is he going to want to coach in the league? The, Gi- the Giants, he's got to realize that the Giants, uh, barring a complete disaster, are going to give Shermer two to three years of uh, leash to try to to try to turn things around. That takes Belichick almost to 70. Is he really going to go to another organization at that point? I almost feel like if he really wanted that job, he would work something out with Kraft uh, to talk to the Giants and say, you know what, I want to go there and finish my career there. Yeah, you're probably right because I think that could have been done, honestly. All he has to do is pick up the phone and call the front office of the Giants, and you know Mara would have listened to him because that's yeah, you, you you always take that call. I mean, he's that, still you know, he's still family. You could see did you have you seen the two bill the two bills on Thursday? Yeah, I thought it was I thought it was fantastic. I really Re- enjoyed it. Really, really, really well done. And you could see these guys they they they, they filmed the show within the Giants facilities in Giants Stadium. Uh these guys are both um they're both still proud of their time with the Giants. They consider themselves Giants. Um they actually both kind of kind of snickered and said no thanks when the director asked them if they could do a part of it from the Jets the locker Jets, room. Wasn't that fantastic? <laughs> that was, I love that. That was, that was great. Um, <laughs> that was. And, uh, I, you know, you can see that these guys both really enjoy their, their enjoy their time with the Giants and uh, how much Belichick still looks up to Parcells because on some of those uncomfortable questions, you could see Belichick wait for Parcells to take the lead and answer first. And yeah. then he kind of fell in line and answered kind of along the same lines. Um, you could see, you know, there's, there's someone, these guys are somewhat uncomfortable with each other, but you can see that these guys still, you know, tr- there's tremendous amount of respect back and forth and Belichick still looks up to uh, to the tuna as his uh, as his mentor without question no I agree and I, the one thing I took away from it too is that I thought Belichick came out looking a lot better than Parcells Parcells still came across as the prick that a lot of people think that he is and, and uh, <laughs> clearly the move that he pulled with, with uh, you know what he did at the Jets you know kind of rang true I think he tried to save his rear end by coming back and cutting the deal to make that all work out but I I don't know that he did that uh, you know without some pushing on you know other centrifugal forces to make it happen and i and i thought the two other things that i enjoyed the most that just make me laugh was one was the the scott pioli story when he was trying to get the guys to play golf up in nantucket together and and pioli showed up in in shorts and uh uh, untucked shirt and they made him tuck in his shirt and he wasn't even playing kudos to you uh (laughs) to the club that made him do that i love that and then uh, (laughs) that's a good story yeah that was and the other thing that cracked me up too was when uh he caught when parcells called Kraft to try to get the deal worked out so that Belichick could go up there. He told him that Darth Vader was on the line and that's all he said. <laughs> <laughs> that, that, that's that's very good. Um, I just, you know, what, what one part of that story that I did not know, um, and it seems like with the source of the friction, was that fax that, I mean, who sends faxes anyway? Uh, pick right. up the phone. But Kraft sent a fax to the Jets front office uh, asking for oh, permission, right. permission yeah. to interview Belichick and there's speculation that Parcells intercepted that fax and, and sat and on it. And, and destroyed and, it, yeah. And did, didn't show it to Belichick and you can understand when Belichick 
Belichick, uh, you know, figured out or heard that he was um, he was in demand up in New England, why, why he would be pissed off. And that was the source of the friction there. Yeah. Um, and no, and right, rightfully so. And, and I agree with you. Belichick comes out, comes across as being more of a sympathetic character. As much as I hate the Patriots, I probably shouldn't have watched that until after the Super Bowl. Um, I still was rooting for the Eagles, even though I bet the Patriots. Um, he, he, he does become a more sympathetic uh, figure. No, I agree. I agree. Hey, Johnny, we're coming to the close here. We don't like to keep it too long. We want to keep, uh, you know, anybody who's listening out there on the line. So we want to run over. So just one thing I wanted to touch on, you know, we talked about Gronk with a concussion, read a great story today about uh, Brevin White. He was a four-star recruit. Um, You know, he was highly touted to go to Alabama and he chose not to go to Alabama and took a full ride to Princeton instead. And I think this is something that's really interesting as we look forward to the landscape of football, because I think kids like this, these four-star recruits realize that there's a lot more uh, to life than football itself. And with the concussions going on, uh, a lot of parents not even let their kids play. It's, it's, it's kind of going to change, I think, what we see moving forward. And I thought that was really interesting that someone would, would choose to go play in Princeton in front of maybe a thousand uh, you know people as opposed to pack stadiums every week and uh, not knowing he might not get that huge contract. But no, there's a lot more, uh, you know, there's a bigger pot of gold at the end of the rainbow if he goes a different route. And kudos to him. Kudos to him for sure. Um, we, we, I think a lot of people in this country are questioning the longevity of football as a sport in our country. It's, um, you know, the, the injuries, the dehabilitating lifestyle that you live um, after you're done with the game. I mean, look at look at Ryan Shazier. I mean, yeah. there's a host host of guys o- much older than him that uh, have a pretty poor quality of life um, after the game is, is done with them. And and look look at it if you've got choices, especially if you've got choices to go play uh, play different sports or your, your, multi, your multi-sport talent. Um, you look at the NFL where the owners hold all the power and then you go look at something like Major League Baseball where the contracts are guaranteed. Um, yeah, where, right. where, where, you know, where, where, where does the smart money go? Um, so I think you're on to something there and uh, kudos, kudos for somebody breaking the mold and uh, deciding to go after the Ivy League education. No, I agree. I agree. Hey, so uh, I think that wraps it up. You know, I'd love, love uh, maybe maybe what we're going to try to do moving forward is next week do, do two. We'll do maybe one at the beginning of the week, one at the end. We'd love to do that because we got a lot of things going on. We didn't even get to touch on college hoops, which, uh, you know, you and I both have a passion for. I wanted to talk a little bit about it. I apologize about your uh, Wildcats going down last night. That was a rough one. Hard, um, hard, hard to win when you're down two starters. No, absolutely. Absolutely. But, it, but uh, you know, as we know, tonight is one of the greatest nights in sports, one of the best rivalries out there. I think it's better than the Red Sox-Yankees. you got Duke-Carolina tonight. Duke with their uh, their underachieving team so far, one of the better teams in the nation as far as I'm concerned, against a very average at best Carolina team. But it's in Chapel Hill, and it should be a lot of fun. I think you take Duke tonight. Uh, it se- seems like the road team uh, win- wins uh, more of these than they should. Um, yeah. So I- I'm going with Duke tonight. No, I'd agree. Way too much talent. I think at some point you're going to see this team flip the switch and not I think they might run all the way to the finals and win a championship this year. Scary, right? And then they have the top three players in the country coming in next year as freshmen. Yeah. Hey, lot to talk about next week. We'll get into college hoops and anything else that changes on the NFL landscape. But, Johnny, hey, enjoyed it. Have a great uh, rest of the week. Enjoy the weekend. Let's enjoy the golf uh, out at uh, Pebble Beach. And uh, I'll catch up with you next week. Sounds good, Greg. Always a pleasure. All right. Thanks, everybody. Take care. Take care. 